0: Hey, Tyler and Woody. Guess you just got back from Camp Rad Strangeness. It's Z, and here's her story from summer camp.
1: Okay, so um, I was in a cabin with two other people, and one of the people this morning woke up actually and told me this story. And she said that last night, she checked her clock, and it was about 3.30. She heard this strange giggling noise, and it was really high-pitched. And she couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And so, as you do when you're a counselor, you're like, okay, let me go check this out. I don't know what it is. So she is getting ready to get up and all of a sudden the giggling is right by her head. And she's like, okay, not moving now. Definitely not gonna, not, not gonna do anything about this. So the giggling continues for a little bit and then she just hears them walking around. The giggling like moves a little bit. It walks around, like walks all around the cabin. And then she hears the person, or whatever it was, move to the bed that was by her feet. But no one was staying in. Like it was an empty bed, there was just extra bunks. And she hears them sit down um, and stops giggling, but then she hears scribbling. and she does not hear it stop all night. Like, the person never leaves. And she also has sleep paralysis and she was convinced it was maybe her sleep paralysis demon and she was really scared. (laughs) She didn't think that's what it was and the camp is kind of very haunted, so.
0: Maybe it was a ghost. If it was
2: Howdy campers. And welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad. We're a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and we minor in retro video games, tabletop RPGs like our favorite Dungeons & Dragons, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were
3: back in the 80s. We are your camp counselors, Woody Brown and Tyler Benz. What's up, brother? Well, you know, I'm a little... Um you know it's unfortunate that we have to hang up our counselor hats, mm-hmm. but boy has it been a great season.
2: It's been a great summer, man. I
3: mean, mm-hmm. it did go by
2: quickly in some aspects, mm-hmm. and then in other aspects, like as parents with kids that go to school, we're just like, boy, Lasted it's time forever. for them. It's time for them to be back in the classroom. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. First, I think before we go any further, do we have to thank Clay? His daughter Z for sending that incredibly spooky Mm -hmm. and perfect story for
3: our camera strangeness finale. Yeah, Yeah. way to
2: strangeness weird.
3: (laughs) Did you? I didn't even catch that. I don't know. Uh, Yeah, really rounded it off for us. I have to say, I've never heard of like like the scribbling aspect Mm -hmm. i don't think i've ever i've ever like heard of that before
2: yeah like you mean in in terms of like any kind of like haunting stories and
3: stuff like that yeah i mean like you know obviously there's like automatic writing and that that kind of deal but like i don't think i've ever heard of like a um well i pictured this being like a kid like a child ghost Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. running around and like drawing and like coloring but like uh, or maybe it's like sort of like the stone tape theory, and it's just sort of like that mm-hmm. replaying. Mm-hmm. It does. It's just like on repeat that mm-hmm. energy. Which brings me to the next
2: thing. So one of our ideas when we were kind of uh, curating all the different things that we're going to talk about today in the in this finale to close up the season on summer camp and to to you know welcome in fall and all that. One of the things that we thought was like, man, let's look for like other haunted summer camps or like anything like that and i think what we found pretty quickly was there really isn't any reports or anything that you can kind of find about that stuff yeah zero And i think we kind of came to the conclusion that these places are businesses right and so Mm -hmm. they don't really want to be like well you know back in 1920 Mm -hmm. old old timmy uh you know died in that cabin but Mm -hmm. hey we can't wait to see you back next year Yeah. You know? And so kind of like a... uh, Not to turn everything into like a, you know, a conspiracy or cover-up, but Mm -hmm. it makes sense that we wouldn't be able to find anything like that. Yeah. Right.
3: Deep, deep just cover-ups all across the country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, real quick. Have we we talked? I know that we literally just had a conversation about, hey, man, let's keep these episodes evergreen so that they're not, like, dated. But I got to say... What about the new Dungeons and Dragons trailer? Dude, it looks to me, it looks amazing. I gotta say, mm. wait, well,
2: I wanna get into that. Have we talked
3: about it on here. No. Uh-uh.
2: Okay. I, I want to get into that, but I also want to like break down some of the details of the the thing. Um mm. so let's just wait on the dungeons. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's break down a little bit some of the details that stood out to me about Z's, you know, story and her experience there was or I guess her fellow counselor friend's experience, it immediately kind of put me back to like any of the summer camps that I went to. And so I pictured myself in an older sort of like cabin, you Mm -hmm. know, the ones that we would go to, they would have these like really old metal bunks, actually not not wooden bunks Mm -hmm. and almost like military style bunk bed, um, you know, kind of thing. And just like gross, musty mattresses and stuff dusty Yeah, dusty wooden floors that i just remember the planks being like really really wide you know and like just really just worn out and Mm -hmm. so anyways another thing that i remember a detail about the cabins that we would stay in is like you know the light switch was near the front of the cabin at the Mm -hmm. door and so in the middle of the night if you heard a noise or something mm, there's no lamp there's no bedside lamp or anything you're gonna have to you know click your flashlight on and see what the heck's going on. Mm -hmm. You do that a couple of times and you shine that light into like some big kid's eyes. who's sleeping. They're going to punch you right in the face, you know? Yeah. So I just kind of imagine that same sort of environment, middle of the night. I think she said it was like 3.30 in the morning or something, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because didn't we, haven't we on this show before said like the time of day early in
3: the morning, you know? It's the devil's hour. Yeah, man, that old devil's out. Rummage Although I don't know if okay. I don't I don't know how much I believe. I mean, well, I'm I'm fifty fifty. I'm on the fence of like, okay, I do believe that maybe there is something that's, uh, you know, something going on that like you know things happen, especially when it is three thirty in the morning, and like you wake up and you look at you know your your phone and you're like, oh boy, but then at the same time it's like. Are we just – is it sort of that, like, pareidolia thing where you're – Trying to keep your kids asleep. Well, clearly that. But, like, mm-hmm. you're just – you're like, oh, man, like, it's 3.30. Something must be – you know, mm-hmm. it must have happened at 3.30. You know what I mean? I yeah, don't, I don't know, man. Could go both ways. But that early, that early that
2: early morning hour, man, the darkness, you know, the still of sort of the quiet in the woods kind of thing. Because it's like you go to bed in the woods and it's like all these – Insects are chirping and all this kind of stuff, but there is like mm-hmm. that point in the middle of the night where just things get quiet and you notice every little oh, yeah. sound. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if you're in like one of those rickety cabins. Yeah, for and sure. the idea of like her like sort of hearing somebody and a sound originating from this empty bed mm-hmm.
3: that's just like right there. Oh god, it, it's just it's so scary, man. Well, and I wonder if because I don't I don't believe that she said that there was like. Anyone else heard it? Yeah, right. We Well, she didn't She didn't uh, mention on the thing. That. Yeah. 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 I, I just, I wonder if, you know, if her friend were to ask, like, anybody else around, like, if they would have happened to hear anything. As, yeah. You know, also. Man, super scary stuff, man. Mm-hmm. mm mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the Lady in White. Mm-hmm kind of vibe in the in the uh, like school coat closet and then it also kind of takes me to Guillermo del Toro's The Orphanage Mm. oh yeah man yeah pretty pretty creepy I love the I love the writing I feel like that's got to be I don't know maybe maybe there is like a movie or something that we're like looking over but like that's that's a cool little yeah like the scribbling
2: yeah that's a cool idea and then the fact that it like happened all night long you're just like laying there hearing that yeah, I the only thing I can relate to in terms of that sound is hiking the Appalachian Trail and staying in like one of their little like shelters. There's so many like field mice in there mm-hmm. that all night long you hear a bunch of weird stuff like scratching around and stuff like that. So maybe
3: yeah, but scribbling is like a very yeah, it is pretty distinct, specific kind of yeah. sound. Yeah. Also, were they making a hostage letter? a hostage letter i mean i don't know just I'm well gonna... i mean or maybe they're just like writing a letter
2: home you know i mean that's oh, one of my man. one of my nephews yeah. went to summer camp this year now let me tell you something real quick when i was like oh man tell me about like the cabins or like the they are they the old school like whatever and he's like oh man they're all air conditioned and they look what? like a house and i'm like what that's a camp what kind of pansy stuff are you going to man what did you what did they do over there you know yeah, that's, you guys ride around in motorboats and stuff? I mean, yeah, water skiing? That's you each get your own Segway. Yeah, if you're not building your own canoe, yeah. that ain't camp. Mm-mm. But one of the things that still is uh, part of the camp experience is, you know, you can't, the kids can't call home. They can't, you just don't have contact with the kids, which is
1: mm.
2: whew, intense for me. I guess as a parent because i'm like oh man i wonder is everything okay but i remember that being the case as a kid and I it was too. cool because you would have like letter time you know mm-hmm. of course most of the time i spent that sort of you know like writing love letters to yeah. girls in the in camp or like the camp counselors and be like dear jenny i saw you this morning at the chow hall boy you're looking great I think I, think I've I need some
3: more tips on swimming this year. I think I've mentioned this on the show, but I have a very fond memory of Camp Rock Eagle meeting a girl from Fannin County. I only know, like, I know very little about this girl still to this day. Yeah. Uh, her name was Jill. Okay. She was from Fannin County, and she made enough of a mark on me that I do remember sneaking out of my cabin in go. the night sneaking into her cabin, oof! crawling yeah. up on her top bunk, being, I mean, granted, I was in like, I don't know, seventh grade, maybe. So it's not like, I know what you're thinking, but. Yeah, it was like a PG. Yeah, very PG. I mean, it sounds like me crawling in her bunk and stuff, but very PG. Anyway, so I'm like next to the wall and then their camp counselor lady comes in <laughs> and she's like on the outside of the bunk, you know, and there's me like hiding under the blankets, just, just like beads of sweat, just so scared that I'm going to get caught. But, uh, but yeah, Jill, if you're out there from Fannin County, it was it. Would love, love to hear from you. <laughs> it was a good summer. But walk me through this here. Did you get busted? No, I didn't get busted at all. Wow. I think, like, the – from what I can remember, I could be way off. So, Jill, we, you know, if you call in, like – Fill in the blanks. Remedy it. Yeah. I th- something along the lines of, like, the the, the camp council lady – she was, like, an older lady, too. She ended up talking to them for, oh, my God, it seemed like an hour. And then she ended up leaving, and I think, like, her friend or somebody – some other girl that was in, like, their cabin was, like like, complaining or something – Mm-hmm. You know, and it just got to the point where it was like, okay, we're just, I'm just going to head out. Because I think it was like me and like another like friend of mine or other mm-hmm. dude that I'd met at camp. I think he was also in like hiding in another bunk, uh, mm-hmm. which is pretty funny to think about. Like, yeah, especially if you're the camp counselor thinking about like, do I need to look in every bunk to make sure? The answer is yes. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, just imagine
2: you're the camp counselor in charge of your daughter's camp. I'm mm. looking in every bunk, and I'm keeping all the lights on. Sorry, kids, use a sleep mask. Bro, hey, I'm the out I'm, for free. I'm setting up trip wire <laughs> in that cabin. Dude, this is, uh, God, I'm, you know, like you think back sometimes to like times when you were younger and like, just, like how much of a butthole you were. Oh, yeah. So like when I was in Boy Scouts, we went on this, I think that year for whatever reason, like as a troop, we didn't go to like a formal uh, summer camp. It was kind of like one of those like mini camps that was held to kind of help people advance rank faster or something. Oh. So it was, you know, put on by our own troop, but it was here at Lake Lanier and it was, it was cool because it's like, you know, you're going there with your buddies anyway, you mm-hmm. know, the scoutmaster. Well, there's this guy, man, I just feel so terrible because, oh boy, you know, later on growing up, he's like the nicest man. Not of all time, but pretty close. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we were kind of, the older scouts, and we were kind of like, you know, me, my brother, these two guys, Daniel and Edward Brewer, and we are like, dude, let's do, let's shaving cream. You know, I don't know if anybody's ever, like, gotten a bunch of shaving cream and done that whole prank where you, like, tickle somebody's face and then, like, they go to scratch their face and they just basically smear. yeah. Shaving cream all I've over themselves. It. Well, it's, <clears <clears <throat> it kind of sucks. It's not cool, but at the same time, it's hilarious. Yeah. Again, I realize now as an adult, total butthole, but back yeah. then it was just fun. Mm-hmm. So anyways, it's the middle of the night. We have bought like, I don't even know, dude, 20 cans of, it's not in the middle of the night. It's like late evening. We've bought like 20 cans of... Shaving cream, because we were like, man, we're just going to prank all the younger kids, you know, whatever. Tyler was just like, man, you know what we need to do? Let's get the Scoutmaster, man. And so we're just like, but, you know, he's out in the, he's like taking a shower at like the, you know, whatever the facility is at the campground we're staying in. Mm -hmm. And we're like, I know what we'll do, dude. We'll just like shaving cream his sleeping bag. Oh, my God. Well, that turned into... Still in his sleeping bag full of shaving cream. And they were like, man, we still got all these cans. Of shaving cream the entire inside of his tent. Dude, oh, my God. We, like, I mean, so much shaving cream. And then we just, like, we're just like, okay, now we're going to go and be like, hey, we're just taking showers, man. So we see him in the shower. He's like, hey, guys, how's it going? We're like, just getting, clean, you know, just cleaning up for the day. Go into the showers. Not even, like, five minutes later, dude. The door freaking busts open, oh. and this guy is, like, so pissed, dude. That yeah. It's like, it's I almost it. like he's got, like, tears in his eyes, but he's not <laughs> crying, dude. He's just that mad. Like, this guy's about to kill me, man. I mean, like, he is furious, man. And, I mean, of course, we're just, like, immediately scared because, again, this guy's kind of, like, super nice. I mean, we, we I think we argued with him a couple times, but, dude, that sucker kicked us out right then and there. He's Ooh. like, I don't care how you get out. You guys are done. And we're just like, uh. Whoa. Oh, it was a big mess. So imagine, like, I didn't want to call my parents. Yeah. You know? So I think we ended up like, oh. I don't even remember how we got out of there. But anyway, all of that to say, it was kind of funny at first. and mm-hmm. backfired on us. And since then, of course, I've apologized to this guy a million times. And now even as an adult. I saw him a couple years ago. And I was like, "Dude, that is the worst thing ever." Because, by the way, the chemicals in the shaving cream break yeah, down
3: the material of the tent. That's exactly and what I completely ruin that. it, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also, I would imagine, like it almost acts as like bleach on like yeah. color. Mm-hmm. So I bet his sleeping bag was like all like everything was messed up, dude. We had to like up. you know buy him all that stuff. Ah, oh, that's the worst,
2: dude. Speaking of listener stories, mm-hmm. so. Listeners, you might remember back a few episodes ago.
1: Season 2, Episode 37, The Salute 7, Space Angels and UFOs.
2: We had a story sent in to us by Mike Hall, who mm-hmm. lives up in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, I love it. Kind of like towards the end of the, epi- or the episode or the story, I kind of had like a, a few sort of things that I was wondering about. Like, you know, mm-hmm. did his wife what did his wife
3: say did he go and run in and wake her up and and all that oh yeah we i think we both had questions i think i was asking like if if he if he saw them like merge and like do like the typical thing where like it'll you know what i'm talking about yeah yeah you had some questions about no 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 you had some questions about the uh like the different
2: objects that he saw and and, and those details Well, the good news is man he actually sent us a follow-up email and uh and here's what it says
0: Hmm.
2: Well, his answers to the questions, all right? And he says, I waited for my wife to wake up. Now, she is the polar opposite of me. Kind of sounds familiar to Tyler and I. Sure uh, does. Mike. She thinks it was helicopters or drones. Yeah. The exact time of the sighting was about 2 p.m. and lasted for about three to four minutes. To touch on Tyler's question, I never saw them merge, but... I had a feeling the triangle object may have been controlling the shape-shifting object. Kind of like just a hunch. hmm Yep. And then he says, you may also want to look at UFO sightings in the Fitchburg, Massachusetts area. That was the direction they were approached from. He says, I was excited to see them for sure, but sort of in disbelief as well. I do wish I had a couple other friends or neighbors with me. These sightings leave you feeling very isolated. Yes, like explaining a panic attack to someone who's never had
3: one. Dude, that is exactly how I feel about the orbs, my orb thing. Yeah, it's like you you just. Well, yeah, it's like you want to talk to people that have experienced the same thing because, you know, nobody else knows like what that experience is like. Mm. He says, people think you were puffing the funny stuff, that you're off your rocker
2: or experiencing exhaustion. Not the case with me, he says. He does say, if you guys want to get a little more into my region's strangeness, check out a book called Monsterland by Ronnie LeBlanc. Yep, I've heard of it. And uh, he he goes on to say that he was on Expedition Bigfoot with our buddy, friends of the show, and uh, co-host of... Bigfoot Collectors Club, Bryce Mm -hmm. Johnson. And at the time of this recording, Bryce doesn't know it yet, but he's actually going to help us get Ronnie on uh, the show so we can talk about his book and also that area, because... After these messages, we'll be right
0: back. For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man like creatures.
1: From another dimension, another world. I don't know.
0: The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad.
2: Here's what I found out about Fitchburg, Massachusetts. Mm. And, frankly, New England in general, man. It's kind of wild. All right. So this area has been kind of nicknamed Monsterland. And that's because a chunk of the Leo Minster State Forest, which is basically really close. Essentially, there's Fitchburg, Massachusetts, and then mm. there's Leo Minster. And sort of not really in between them because it doesn't cut across those areas. It doesn't, like, split them apart, but essentially both cities are kind of surrounded by, on the lower southern area, this Leominster State Forest. Mm. And kind of most recently has earned this nickname Monsterland because of the high concentration of eerie incidents reported there. Everything from brushes with Bigfoot to orbs and, of course, UFOs. Back in the late 1960s, uh, according to LeBlanc, the region was hit with a huge UFO wave, or flap. Oh. Mm-hmm. And all throughout central Massachusetts, people were seeing UFOs over ponds and lakes, and there was a lady in Fitchburg saying that there are UFOs coming out of the reservoir. He says, Monsterland is a real place in Leominster. My
3: books are based on real experiences from local residents, including myself. Wow. Yeah, I, I've I've heard of LeBlanc's book, uh, Monsterland, but I, I didn't know that it was like a like a generalized like area. I thought it was just sort of a... Like the U.S. in general. I didn't know that it was like a specific place. Basically what LeBlanc says is
2: that he started to notice that there was a lot of activities and stories in and around this Leominster state forest, mm-hmm. which connects to Monsterland through the power lines, power lines he says. <laughs> he says, and this is like, is about as... Well, it's just how I figured it would they would say it up there. He says a lot of the locals that grew up here used to call it Monsterland. I can't do I can't do a Boston accent. That yeah, was Monster. monster monsterland. Monster a lobster. Monster Monsterland. Land. Yeah, we it just goes lost back to the 50's. so many listeners. Yeah. It goes back to the 50s and there was a gentleman that supposedly disappeared after seeing a strange creature by Old Mill Road. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now that's got my attention. And what's interesting is like, um, what's this dude's name again? What LeBlanc? Um, Matt LeBlanc from Friends. I I was about to
3: say it. (laughs) Ronnie. I know you were. I was about to say it and then just let you just say Matt LeBlanc (laughs) for the next 30 minutes. Oh, man. (laughs) Uh, That's hilarious. So his book, uh,
2: Monsterland, Encounter with UFOs, Bigfoot, and Orange Orbs. He also has a sequel called Monsterland, Encounters with Shamans, Sasquatch, Synchronicity, and High Strangeness. I mean... Dude, this sounds awesome. I know. We got to get these two books and look forward to having um, (laughs) Matt LeBlanc on the show. Are you (laughs) doing... <laughs> Big fans. Apparently, he's also making a movie called Silver Creek that is a Bigfoot horror movie and mm-hmm. a Monsterland documentary series filmed around central Massachusetts. Man, that and sounds cool. When asked, hey, what is Bigfoot? He says, I would say Bigfoot is something that's more interdimensional, yeah. almost spiritual, kind of a realm that has the ability to manifest itself. Mm-hmm. He says, I started off chasing an ape. A flesh and blood animal and now i'm thinking it's something else
3: yeah he for, from what i've seen on expedition bigfoot just the show i, I think him and bryce are kind of mm-hmm. you know on the same sort of page as far as what they believe bigfoot is yeah
2: and you know we'll dig further into his story again when we have him on the show because we will i'm putting mm-hmm. that out into the uh into the ether mm-hmm. and i uh, look forward to talking to him about that in uh, in greater depth But, dude, something that I didn't really realize is, like, that area, man, is actually, well, just New England in general. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we've talked about this before. I don't think we have. But apparently the first documented UFO sighting in America dates back to 1639 when Massachusetts Bay Colony co-founder and governor John Winthrop Recorded a secondhand observation of a unidentified objects in the sky over Boston. Whoa! Listen to this, dude. In his diary entry of March 1st that year, he wrote that a sober, discreet man named James Everell was rowing a boat up the muddy river. It was nighttime, mm-hmm. and he saw this great light in the sky. Winthrop reports that when it stood still, it flamed up. It was about three yards square. When it ran, it was contracted into the figure of a swine. It ran as swift as an arrow towards Charlestown. And then it went up and down about two or three hours. By the time the lights moved away, everyone and his boatmates had been delivered one mile upstream and had no memory of how. I think we did talk about this. Really? Right? When when we did the... uh, Did did we talk about that whenever we did the uh, Massachusetts... I, um,
3: I do not remember like a glowing thing turning into the shape of a pig. (laughs) Yeah, maybe not. So, I mean, first off, man, let's just
2: unpack that one for just a quick second. We're talking about a light Mm -hmm. that turns into a pig and then just like runs around and stuff. I mean, more and more,
3: dude, this is starting to, I'm telling you, man, Skinwalker Ranch, here I go, here I
2: Mm -hmm. go again.
3: Yeah, well, the one cool thing that that I'm actually really happy that you are, it's sort of becoming knowledgeable about Skinwalker is like, yes, it may be like the most, like, you know, I, I, I would say it definitely has like the most sort of activity, but like, you know, you will find uh, these areas, you know, I, we talked about it a while back, like, you know, John Keel, like window areas where you, you know, you're going to see UFOs, you're going to see Bigfoot, you're going to see this and, you know, poltergeist activity, you're, it's just these like little sort of concentrated areas where where there's like all this different but yet all fascinating and, and crazy activity happens. For sure, man. I mean, they talk a lot about that
2: actually in the Meadow Project. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That I read, I guess, a month ago or so now.
3: Which they call that the <clears throat> the Skinwalker South Skinwalker
2: Ranch. Yeah, yeah.
3: I know that the I know the Meadow Project is. I mean, it's not exactly, you know, orbs turning into into the shape of like you know pigs but i know that the meadow project particularly is kind of known for these like light beings you let me borrow the book but obviously i haven't read it Mm, yet mm -hmm. but i think that's kind of like one of the main things it's known for is that right i mean kind of dude it's it's very similar and you know with just the
2: amount and variety of strange stuff that happens Mm -hmm. to skinwalker ranch i mean there's Some obvious differences. But, yeah, there was, like, a situation where this guy sees this, like... I think it was on his infrared viewer or something. But he... Dude, I don't even want to dive into it. We also have to get him on the show. Because, like, that main encounter is so crazy, dude, that I really want people to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Yeah. It's just insane, man. It's just amazing the stuff that they that they experienced.
3: Uh, so if you're listening, Trey Hudson, we're, we're
2: coming after you. Anyway, I mean, dude, if you're thinking about UFO encounters, again, it's not Boston or it's not Massachusetts, but it's New England. Mm-hmm. In 1808, this school teacher who was from Massachusetts, actually, was oh, I in know Camden, this. Maine.
3: Ichabod Crane.
2: yeah. God. <laughs> and she recorded in her diary that kind of a somewhat similar account. in July 22nd, of 1808 mm-hmm. she said about 10 o'clock I saw a very strange appearance it was light which proceeded from the east at the first sight I thought it was a meteor but from its motion first off 1808 they, they, already, they know about meteors Yeah, I have got a real bad judgment I guess on people from that era but anyway <laughs> but, it, but from its motion I soon perceived it was not it seemed to dart at first as quickly as light and appeared to be in the atmosphere, but lowered toward the ground and kept on at an equal distance. Sometimes ascending, and sometimes descending.
0: Hmm.
3: What? What year was this? 1808. Yeah, that doesn't quite. I mean, that's a good bit before the uh, like the the airship. Mm, mm-hmm. All the airship sightings, huh? And, you know,
2: and then of course, like, and we'll dive into these. I'm sure. In greater detail, but like the East Mountain Radar Base in 1961, uh, that's out in Vermont. Mm -hmm. And um, do you want me to go into that at all? Yeah, I I don't know anything about that. Okay. So during the Cold War, the U.S. Air Force had a radar base on Vermont's um, East Mountain, and it was named the North Concord Air Force Station. Hmm. It was a remote facility, and it started operating around 1956. At the height of its operations... About 175 men worked at the station. They lived in a little kind of village, pretty close, or like, I guess, um, like a hut village around the Air Force Base. It had its own store, bowling alley, and even theater. Hmm. It was about a mile down the mountain. In 1961, according to military reports, a strange object appeared in the skies above East Mountain and remained visible for about 18 minutes. Hmm. And by the way, just a short time later, Betty and Barney Hill, yep, who were in New Hampshire, yep, that's right, not too far away, mm-hmm. saw the same thing. Man, eighteen minutes though—that's that's crazy, man. It's a long time. Mm-hmm. Some have also kind of hypothesized. I would say that it was the same UFO. Yeah. By the way, just in case anybody was wondering, this base is closed. It closed in 1963, and it's uh, just sits there abandoned you kind of a cool little field trip if you ask yeah.
3: me. Man, there's a there's a lot of those actually. Yeah. But they've just abandoned those bases. It's weird. Yeah. And we won't go into the Bed In Barney Hill incident. It's probably I,
2: I mean, I gotta say it's probably the most famous, right?
3: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as far as like abduction stories, it is like the sort of the biggest one. Mm. And the, and mainly because there's like so many elements of it that sort of give it credibility. I guess. Right. You know, they're an interracial couple in the sixties, clearly not looking uh, for extra attention. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even just that alone, like I remember the first time I heard that it was very like, Oh wow. Like that, that, it just gives it a whole extra level of, uh, yeah.
2: of sort of believability. Yeah. Another layer of authenticity. Almost. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course there's the Exeter incident in 1965 on September 3rd, 1965 in Exeter, new hampshire a policeman patrolling route 101 just after midnight stopped to check on a woman who was parked beside the road the breathless woman claimed that a flying object with red flashing lights had been chasing her Mm. a few hours later an 18 year old man arrived at the exeter police station and claimed that while hitchhiking along route 150 he a route 150 he'd seen a line of five bright lights over a house about a hundred feet from where he stood He said the lights moved out over a large field and disappeared and then reappeared behind the tree lines several times. Mm. After driving the site with the young man, the same policeman witnessed the lights, as did another officer who arrived a short time later. Over the weeks that followed, authorities received about 60 or so reports of UFO sightings near Exeter. Now, debunkers, of course, have claimed that the described light patterns would match those on Air Force KC 97 refueling planes.
3: Come on, yeah, but again, I'm so tired of debunkers. It's just like, oh, okay, so you're telling me there, there's a literal refuel a giant refueling plane, one hundred feet hovering above a house, mm-hmm. going in up the 60s. and down through the through the thing. Well, you know, look, I when it when it comes to like
2: debunkers and stuff, I, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Well, the, the 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 thing that has always, or at least now, because of this podcast, because of reading about all these things, because of, you know, knowing all this stuff, we say it constantly, maybe just ad nauseum here. But that would make sense if that was, you know, just the one time or whatever. Right. Right. But when you go back, because like a lot of times people will say, well, it's just you know, government experiments. Currently now, modern day, I mm-hmm. mean, I just saw a clip on Joe Rogan where he was talking to this guy and it's like, yes, for example, Russia and the U.S., but Russia has been, have been using and putting a lot of funds into like hypersonic drones and stuff. Mm-hmm. The U.S. kind of pulled away from that technology because it was very unreliable because the way that the drones would fly was very like, um, well, they would dart around a little bit. It, it wasn't, consistent mm-hmm. but that's part of the reason why russia liked them because they could maybe evade radar detection or at least mm-hmm. uh, anti-aircraft mm-hmm. sort of defenses and stuff anyhow well and well, so some people will say hold on just a second some yeah, people will say well i mean maybe that's what people are saying cool maybe so you know mm-hmm. nowadays you, you're probably right maybe it's spy drones and there's a bunch of technology that we don't understand let's go back to let's go back to 1808 mm-hmm. yeah who, who's well, you know yeah who, pre year of the the airships, right? Or, I mean, sixteen. Uh, what was the first one I talked about? Uh, like sixteen thirty-nine. Yeah. How many drones and sub or uh, hypersonic drones have they got flying? Right, sixteen thirty-nine.
3: Well, but but uh, well, I will give a, not credibility. That's the wrong word. But I will give maybe credit to like the quote-unquote debunker, like because I guarantee that story of like, oh, that was just he just saw like a refueling plane. I, I would I would guarantee in the '60s that that was a statement given by the the local military,
2: mm, mm-hmm.
3: which yeah. is it, always just total total. Bullshit. I mean, yeah, it's like you know the Roswell photo, you know, where he's holding up a weather balloon, like, huh? Yeah, I, I'm mm-hmm. a guy who knows the most of about you know all of America's nuclear weapons. that works at... White Sands testing range several miles away, but I, I, I didn't realize that we had these silly Mylar weather balloons. Yeah. You know, so I, I'm sure that that was a, a government slash military sort of explanation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And I mean, I think like like a lot of it, it's a little bit of everything, right? Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: there's more in Massachusetts, essentially, and New England are just hot spots, man. You got Harold Trudell in 1967 in Rhode Island. You've got the Allagash abductions in 1976. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, you've got Newtown Lights, which is
3: 1987 in Newtown, Connecticut. You know that one? Uh, I think it, it isn't that one kind of like the Phoenix Lights, like a lot of people. Witnessed him or no? Yeah, yeah. So on May 26, 1987, mm-hmm.
2: commercial airline pilot Randy Edding took a nighttime walk near his home in uh, Newtown, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be something if someone's like, hey, bro, it's Newton. Um, <laughs> he he often studied the skies when he walked. You know, he, he he's a pilot, right? Mm-hmm. Like, he looks up into the sky. That's like his workplace. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And at around 945... And, and part of I think what his hobby was is to look up at the airplanes and try to identify what type of plane it was. Oh dude. My the, dad the, actually does the same kind of thing, you know. It's like, yeah. oh man, you know, they're really into that kind of thing.
3: I mean, especially those old school pilots, like they they could tell I mean it's it's like a it's like me with guitar pedals and guitars mm-hmm. and amps and stuff with us. It's like those guys could like listen to a plane and be like, Oh, that's a that's clearly a biplane. That's clearly, you know, a Cessna engine. That's it's like, that's that's what they do, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. So,
2: it was around 9.45 p.m. He observed some orange and red lights approaching from the west. He got mm-hmm. out his binoculars and called his neighbors to come outside. He said that as the UFO passed over Interstate 84, cars pulled over to watch. Yeah. And indeed, between 9.30 and 10.15, more than 200 people phoned the police to report this UFO. Yeah. The object displayed a semi-circular pattern of very bright, multicolored lights. Several drivers even reported, this is kind of like Betty and Barney Hill, that their cars had lost power as the lights passed by. Oh, I love it. About 15 minutes later, calls started coming in from New Milford. Probably pronounced that wrong somehow. About 14 miles north, uh, alerting authorities that the lights... Were like making their way... Were hovering towards. over there, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. The lights eventually vanished, but the mystery... Remains. Now this is mm. nineteen eighty seven. I'm actually looking yeah. at a picture of the image that Randy Edding took a picture of. Oh, that's
3: awesome. And dude,
2: it's amazing.
3: And yeah, like, I, I think this was the that the uh like the local whatever the big like local radio station, like the pop station, mm-hmm. I think it began like you know, calls just started like flooding in there too. I mean, what's, what's amazing is, to go back to that Joe Rogan thing, the
2: guy, I wish I would have remembered the, the guy that he was talking to. I'm sure it's somebody humongous in the UFO world, and now I look like, uh, hey, fellas, who's the goose? Right? I look like an idiot. But
3: mm-hmm.
2: this guy was saying, like, what's really significant in any of these kind of um, events is when you have multiple sources and have multiple, I guess, types of evidence Right. So it's not just like, oh, everyone has this one infrared sort of picture. Yeah. And it's just one guy. It's Mm -hmm. in this example, 200 people saw this. This guy's got a picture. His neighbor saw it. When all these things can line up and cooperate with one another, yeah. Then there's no doubt that it was something. Now, was it of alien origin? I don't know. I don't know how many craft we had back in 1987 with circular. Pattern lights and stuff like that. I don't know, man. It's it's very uh, it's very intriguing for sure. I
3: mean, I, I I will say that like that was such a an era of like like the SR seventy one and like the mm-hmm. um like the Lockheed like the Blackbird. You know, it's like there there were some of those like like the the first sort of generation of like the stealth. You know, mm-hmm. um, well, I guess that is the SR seventy one Blackbird. It was so bizarre looking compared to any other aircraft that. I'm sure there were a ton of, like, sort of, you know, quote-unquote, like, UFO sightings that were mistaken, you know, when sure, people were sure. sitting there. Because, we, remember, we saw it. Yeah, oh, God. No, we saw the 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 newer one, the... Uh, I don't
2: know.
1: What, you're what is about. that
2: thing called, man? Um, it's the North, Northrop Grumman B2 Spirit. Mm. And it yes, was wild dude. to see I mean, it in the daytime, too. Yeah, man. It was down in Florida, right? I we were when, so. I think it was because I think we were, again, folks, we were touring. Like St. Augustine? Yeah, probably pretty close to there. Mm-hmm. And then as we're driving, we just see this gigantic thing. And I do remember, dude, distinctly, I'll never forget, immediately Tyler's like, oh my gosh, it's a UFO. And we're like, what? Dude, it, well, at, at first experience, it was, dude, it bizarre. was so crazy looking because when it was kind of flying toward us. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at, instead of looking, where you can see, like, the entire profile. Right. It just was, like, this weird, thin sliver that really does look like a UFO is coming straight at you.
3: Well, and I had been watching it, like, before I said that for, like, probably, probably, like, 15 seconds. So, like, my mind's like, what is this? No, it's not an aircraft. No, it's not this. So it was like, it's a UFO! Mm -hmm. But, dude, they do look pretty bizarre. And... If I remember correctly, I think it was pretty silent. No, it was it was relatively loud, and was I think it? I, yeah, I don't because remember at that. The, one thing that I'd, I wanted to
2: bring up, I'm glad you said that is, a lot of times people will say, well, maybe you know it was a stealth, fi- plane or whatever. Mm-hmm. Which okay, maybe that's something that's flying around fast and stuff. The thing that makes it stealth isn't the the sound actually. They're yeah, actually right. relatively loud. It's just the way that they're able to break up the pattern on radar mm-hmm. or just. Right
3: completely not show up kind of thing yeah um it's basically how when back in the old days how uh which i'm sure yeah i think it's in even in the first top gun it's like you could fly like below the radar so you wouldn't get picked up yeah this basically just makes it so they can fly regular but then it'll it'll sort of phase them out so the radar can't catch them
2: yeah, exactly. And also, like, it has something to do with the way that the heat signature, they, mm-hmm. they've engineered the the jet stream to be, you yeah, know, hard to detect. And, I,
3: you know, it gets really, really... That's weird that you remember it being loud, because I could have swore I remembered it being pretty silent.
2: Well, I, rem- I don't remember it being, like, silent. I don't remember it being, like, extremely loud. But I do remember, like, it made a banking maneuver. And that's when we saw, like, the full, man, man, you, you, you know, profile right, of it. And then, and then mm-hmm. it was, like, over the interstate. And we're like, what in the heck, dude? I guess you're
3: right because it was – at first it was, like, at a weird angle. Like, it was coming in front of us or if or it was, like, like going away from us or something. I guess coming mm-hmm. toward I think us. it was coming toward us, man. And it really And it did turn. Yeah. Because you got to see it kind of from the side. Because that like, was
2: the moment that we were like, okay, no, it's not a UFO. Because, like, you're right, man. Like, you – the way that it was coming at us, it's like, dude, we're it was looking at a UFO here, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah, super cool. Florida's chock full of them too, man. Yeah. What's interesting, man, and part of what I think is so uh well, it's part of what why we wanted to create Camp Red strangeness, really, is so mm-hmm. that there's this like concentration of tons of different stuff that Oftentimes on the surface, especially before you dive into any of this stuff, Mm -hmm. it kind of seems like they can be talked about separately and you can kind of subdivide them into their own little like categories and stuff. But I think as we go deeper into these things, as we talk about them more, as we talk to other people about their experiences more, as we read more books and stuff, Mm -hmm. it's not like you can lump it all into one category. Mm -hmm. But to me, there does seem to be some sort of like commonality, correlation. There's a lot of instances where all of these things kind of happen together. Yeah. Just, for sure. just as an example, man, like Bigfoot, right? Like in, in Monsterland or whatever, he's talking about Bigfoot being around UFOs and that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like those, those window areas. Hey, man, thanks for showing up today. You, <laughs> you killed it. I'm glad. Thank you. I'm glad you... Uh,
3: Yeah, man, it's like those window areas. What? Hard stop. Yeah, because you didn't respond. (laughs) Plus, my daughter is right behind me thinking she's sneaking up on me. (laughs) (laughs) Ellie, listen, buddy. You gotta go.
0: We will return after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news...
3: This is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now back to our show.
2: When I think of like the 80s, especially the late 80s, it's like there's this culmination of fascination that I had with aircraft in general, anyway. And also in oh, yeah. UFOs and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I just feel like that time, for
3: whatever reason, I don't know, man. Like, was really just sort of, like, UFO heavy, man. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, and not only that, but it's, you know, as we got older, uh, it's always, I mean, even now, it's it's always cool to be able to, like, look back. And anything in the 80s is just, it's always going to be cool because it's, it, we're also sort of, you know, we always associate it with, like, Flight of the Navigator and uh, the Explorers. And so, it's, like, Space ED. Camp. E.T., Space yeah camp. yeah um so there's like there's just such a cool kind of vibe which is a perfect segue into something that I have today okay so what i'm going to talk about a little bit here is it's something that has been it's kind of been in U, only in ufo circles and sort of i guess unofficially tied to ufo lore or like E.T. lore since the early 80s or, well, technically, I guess, uh, even late 70s. Mm-hmm. And that is this idea that Steven Spielberg was told by Reagan truth president, about it. President Ronald Reagan, for president our, president our international Reagan. listeners who he, might not know. Yep, President Ronald Reagan, who was once an actor and then, you know, beloved president who we all love. The, the urban legend is that... Spielberg uh, was asked to premiere the movie E.T. at the White House. And it was a very private sort of setting. There were only several people there. You know, supposedly in that exchange, I guess after it was, the movie was over, you know, everybody loved it. And then the urban legend was that Reagan pulled Spielberg aside and basically said, You know, something to the the extent of this is this, you know, if you only knew like how true this is. Whoa. Well, what's cool is several years ago, an article came out by Ain't It Cool News. And basically, the interviewer was, it was during the the release of Super Eight, right? And Mm -hmm. it was this long interview, and the interviewer's mainly talking about his favorite film, uh, Spielberg film, which was Jaws. And so, you know, he kind of, he he kind of loosens up Spielberg because up until this point, Spielberg all through these years, and again, like, like I said, it's, it's sort of been unofficially tied to, uh, you know, ufology for years, but like, he's never said anything, his agent, his, any press associated with Spielberg has always kept a very tight lip with this. They've never admitted anything, always kind of blew it off as a rumor. Well, this interview from ain't it cool news happens. And I think he kind of, he kind of like, what's a good word? Sort of like softened him up a little bit by talking Mm -hmm. about his love for jaws. Mm -hmm. And then right at the very end, yeah, right at the very end, you know, he's all loosened up. He's, He loves it because, you know, it is a it was like a press thing for his movie Super 8. But then, you know, you have this interviewer who's like obsessed with Jaws. And so it was a really cool kind of kind of moment. Well, then right at the very end, this dude totally flips and says, hey, what do you know about this? And I'm going to send you. (laughs) Hey, by the way, what can you tell me about this? And I'm sending you the actual audio right now. Reagan got up to thank me for bringing the film to
0: show him to show the president, the first lady, and all of their guests, which included Sandra Day O'Connor in her first week as 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 um you know as as a justice, as the Supreme Court, and included some astronauts. I believe I believe um, I think Neil Armstrong was there. I'm not a hundred percent certain, but it was a it was it was it was an amazing amazing evening, and. And he just stood up, and he looked around the room, almost like he was doing a head count, and he said, I want to thank you for bringing E.T. to the White House. We really enjoyed your movie. And then he looked around the room, and he said, and there are a number of people in this room who know that everything on that screen is absolutely true. And he said it without smiling. (laughs) Um, um, But he, but, but, but he, he said that, and everybody laughed, by the way. The whole room laughed because he presented it like a joke, but
3: he wasn't smiling as he said it. Man. Yeah, dude. So I mean, if it's finally uh, – I, I just realized like the other day that that I had never told you that. And since we are a podcast that, you know, is also tied in with 80s and 90s nostalgia, uh, I realized like, man, especially that's a during, huge piece. That's a huge piece. And let me give a little background on that. So this would first appear in uh, a magazine called Focus by a guy named Bill Moore – way back in on November 1st, 1987. This, the actual... Him visiting, you know, Spielberg visiting the White House was in June of 1982. He was... I think he was basically... Around that time, uh, Spielberg was giving an interview for... He was in Japan, and he was giving an interview that was being made, uh, like a documentary, was being made about Spielberg and, and all of his films. And he you know, told the, I think Jamie, like, Standahar was, was the name. And it was given, like, directly to this person from Spielberg. Well, you know, like I said, it kind of, you know, it came out in this magazine and then I think what, later you, we would find out that this Bill Moore character who was a pretty massive, like, UFO researcher back in the day. I mean, he was like a, like a Stanton Friedman or a, or whatever. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, he created Focus Magazine, which was kind of like a like a Fate magazine or, you know, those old school, like, mail order, like, UFO, paranormal. Basically, like, if our podcast was around the 80s, it would just be, like, a magazine. Yeah. You know, so uh, it's sort of one of those things. Well, what was weird was, like, th- this kind of came out, but then I'm thinking that um, that he was sort of Maybe given like a cease and desist type of thing because he he eventually you know obviously stopped doing Focus Magazine. He pulled out and he totally pulled away completely from anything related to ufology. So that's a little curious, but th- a lot of this is comes from this other researcher, this guy, and he's one of my all time favorites. It's a guy named Grant Cameron, and he's this just total badass. Uh, like ufo researcher but he also gets into a lot of other stuff a lot of like how ufos are tied to like consciousness and he's he's a little like a like a jacques Vallee type guy mm-hmm. you know i think he originally started out with the stanton friedmans and and those guys and the early like mirage men years where everything was like nuts and bolts and then you know as he kind of progressed he it sort of he started kind of getting a little more like metaphysical and sort of spiritual focused you know so a couple things about this after Steven Spielberg was was told this the next morning uh, Reagan called for a briefing to speak directly with NASA to talk about the space program what's weird Mm -hmm. about that is there are zero records of uh, what was actually talked about at that briefing man which is kind of It's a little weird because, you know, usually even if it was something like top secret at the time, like maybe it tied in with like, you know, the Cold War or, you know, Russia or whatever, like it was just completely left blank. So that's a little weird. After about a month and immediately following the release of this, one of the first big books on Roswell, again, this was like 1987, he goes and gives a speech uh, out of the out of like totally out of the blue at Roswell in front of the actual hangar where the supposed bodies would have been taken in at which is another sort of weird kind of thing you mm-hmm. know and he began his speech with a joke that was taken from the movie ET you know it's kind of weird yeah but anyway I guess the question is and Grant Cameron's like one of his big questions is you know why did why did it take 20 years for Spielberg to you know to finally like come out and and publicly talk about this you know when Super 8 came out which would have been like I don't know I don't have the year like 10 years ago 8 years ago yeah so one thing one thing that's really cool about Spielberg is he's been like super close friends with all of the presidents even going back to Carter uh what was weird about it though is like it was never sort of public like it was always kind of kept a secret that he was even friends with Carter Hmm. and so I I guess the idea is is that like he he's never spoken about any anything that was ever said um But in this this ain't it cool news interview, he actually goes on to say that like he's, I guess earlier, you know, in when he's talking about the Super Eight movie, he talks about, you know, in my twenties and thirties, I was a massive, you know, fan of ufology, and which I think is really This this is Spielberg. This is Spielberg, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. And when not would, too surprising, right? I mean, he did
2: right. uh, close encounters, E.T., right, exactly. Super eight. I feel like more. I think I feel like there's been
3: more stuff that it's, um, that are aliens. Uh, batteries not included. Okay. Yeah, I feel. I do feel like we're we're missing something too, but anyway, he has been like pretty close with like all of the presidents. So Grant Cameron's kind of deal. You know, the researcher. He's he's thinking like, well, that privilege has never like been abused which means he's like never told anybody i guess sort of it's a testament to like him sort of keeping his mouth shut you know if he yeah. if he has been told about like you know the us and their association with ufo's or et's or whatever it's that like he continues to be close on on up until i think i don't know if trump but definitely like obama so you know fairly recently, but Grant Cameron is thinking that, like, man, there's no telling how much this guy knows. Because if you know, if the if the president before, you know, saw that, like, oh well, he didn't like abuse this, so he's he's not going to say anything, and it's never going to come out. Mm-hmm. So then the next president would feel even more comfortable. Well, I'll tell right, right, you know, which is pretty bad. Yeah. One thing that was weird. So Grant Cameron, when he was doing a lot of this research, and the reason why this was even brought up at all like this this researcher Grant Cameron has been kind of saying this for years and years he's one of his big things is i can't remember what it's called but like his what i guess like his biggest book was about all about like presidents and their associations with like or connections with ufo's and aliens and extraterrestrials which is really fascinating i mean it goes back to mm-hmm. you know eisenhower there's like that that great story but what's cool is he went to the jimmy carter library and i guess i guess basically like anytime anyone is with a president basically it's recorded so there's notes of it yeah so like even if i went into the oval office and just said hello to the president that would be recorded right and there will like be files. Time-stamped. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so he's one of those guys, like all the old school researchers who does, you know, they do those like FISA requests and like Freedom of Information Act requests where, you know, he, he just sort of submits and says, okay, well, I want anything that's in the files about Steven Spielberg and Jimmy Carter. Well, he physically goes to the Carter library and there's nothing at all. They check all the files, um, nothing at all. Well, then after he leaves, then he gets a thing in the mail that shows a a photo of Jimmy Carter uh, standing in the White House with with Steven Spielberg, Hmm. but their faces are redacted. Kind of a bizarre Mm
2: -hmm.
3: sort of thing. You know what I mean? Carter, to note, was known for seeing over 400 films while in office, which is the most that any president has ever watched. Also, every movie they would watch would be in the notes. And he has said that Close Encounters was his all-time favorite movie. And I wonder... I mean, President Carter had uh, a UFO experience, right? Yeah, he had a a sighting in 1969. And And here's something, another little piece of trivia about President Carter. Did you know that he still, to this day, teaches... Sunday school
2: at his church, mm-hmm. same church he that. always has.
3: Yeah, that's super cool. He had his own sighting in 1969, and, you know, ever since, I think he was a pretty massive, you know, UFO, E.T. buff. And uh, I think there's sort of this urban legend also where I think he goes to try to get information on, like, you know, Roswell or, or any sort of UFO or E.T. connection with the U.S. government, and he goes to George Bush Sr., who was then the head of the CIA. And like, you know, again, it's somewhat urban legend, but something along the lines, his response was, you know, you're just a temporary character in this, you know, mm. it's it's completely a need-to-know basis, and, and you don't have a need-to-know. Jeez. Which is pretty, I mean, it, it's a little scary in a way, mm-hmm. if you think about mm-hmm. it, you know, because you know the the most powerful man in the free world you know can't even find out something so all that to say uh, and here's like the last little bit and this is like a I, this is something that I really want to get into because this here's another thing that I'd totally forgotten about um, there's this researcher and this documentarian filmmaker this guy named Bob Emineger and apparently there's sort of a legend i think he made a documentary about this in particular, again, I'd totally forgotten about this until I was looking this up. And so this Emanage, this Bob Emanager guy was apparently contracted in 1971 to basically video, and he was contracted by the U.S. government, U.S. military, at, to do like a three-camera sort of documentary of a UFO landing and then meeting with the U.S. Air, US government officials at Holloman Air Force Base. After everything went down, it was sort of like stopped and canned, you know, in the last minute because of like the Watergate scandal. Well, what's weird about this is at the time, Emenegger was really big friends with Annie Spielberg, which was, as you know, Steven Spielberg's sister. And I can't remember how it all went down, but somehow I think Steven ended up asking for a copy with it. Or a copy of of the film that was was shelved, and you know, I mean, I'm sure he was told to never show anything of it, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure it was like a pretty big like embargo type situation. But so he saw it, and then in 1975, two years later, he makes Close Encounters, and there's like an urban legend that this there's like a scene where the UFO comes down and it's exactly taking from the Bob emenager documentary where it, it really actually happened. And mm. part of that lore is like that... It's a, like it's the actual footage from I, that documentary? Is that what you're saying? No, well... Oh, okay. Well, no, but then also there's like an sort of an additional urban it's legend. It's kind of like a nod to it kind of thing. Well, apparently it's like the exact same thing. And part of the lore is that I guess they were at some sort of event and Steven Spielberg's mother comes up to Bob Emenager and said that that she saw his version and Steven's b- version and she liked Spielberg's version better and then laughed, hmm. which is kind of crazy. The mm-hmm. Another part that's kind of interesting about Close Encounters of the Third Kind is that he supposedly wrote the whole movie in less than two days. Jeez. So it kind of gives this credibility of like, Okay, did he write this whole thing? You know, was he inspired by this? This mm-hmm. like, you know, unseen... essentially Did it? Did it just write itself? Kind writing? of. Or yeah.
2: well, there's also this other thought that like, and I'm not talking about Poltergeist scribbling on paper. I'm talking right, right, about right, right. you know, like yeah, the, somebody presented him some, presented him some information. He's like, mm-hmm. dude, I, this would make an incredible movie.
3: Yeah. Well, the 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 interesting thing is that like, what I was going to say about the. The other urban legend is there is another urban legend where they th- some people have said that they believe that there were actually like some like splices of like film of the actual Bob Emmeriger footage in Close Encounters. Hmm. I don't know about that. I Man. that that was a little hard to find. But like, I mean, I can tell you what I'm
2: popping in the VCR as soon as <laughs> we're done today. I haven't seen Close Encounters in so long. Yeah, me too. I know. I, mean, I remember as a kid though thinking like I was kind of like. Well. I I thought it was cool, but it was kind of, like, boring in a way.
3: Yeah. Because it never really, like... No, no, no. I think at the very end... Yeah. You see... But the whole movie, I remember as a kid, it just felt like... um, What's his name? Dreyfus. Yeah, yeah. Dreyfus, which is such a fantastic actor. Mm -hmm. I just felt as a kid, like, it's just this guy, like, scared. He's just running the whole time, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: And it kind of, like, plays into...
3: An earlier,
2: or uh, I guess it's still now, I mean, gosh, we kind of talked about it when we talked about Mike's, um, when he said that, uh, you know, it's kind of like explaining a panic attack to someone that's never had one. Mm-hmm. It's like in those movies, like Communion, you know, and, yeah. and um, Close Encounters, it's like the main character mm-hmm. of the story is kind of just like having a mental breakdown almost, you know, because they right. don't know, are they going crazy? yeah, Or did they see something really And then, like in Drafts in um, Close Encounters, Mm -hmm. his character is kind of like, almost like receiving messages, right?
3: Um, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I need to go Um, back and watch that. There's also this an Australian interview way back in the day, right when Close Encounters. I don't know if it had come out yet. Uh, And again, this is from Grant Cameron. Uh, You guys need to go check him out again. He's he's awesome. He's such a great investigator. And he's like, he kind of bridges and straddles that like old school, like hardcore, like boots on the ground investigator with with a little bit of like passport to Magonia sort of conceptuality, I guess. But he had found where there was this interview in this Australian magazine or paper, either before or after Close Encounters came out. And apparently Spielberg had made a comment saying that you know that you're doing something either really right or really wrong when <laughs> when NASA sends you a letter, you know, chastising you, a 20 page letter chastising you on how you're doing it wrong, mm. and the, and then there's something along the lines of, I don't know if it was in that particular interview, but basically, he would go. On, he also goes on to say that like, I, I guess there was some sort of like connection with you know when he came out with Jaws. That was the summer that everybody was terrified, and nobody wanted to go, wanted to go to the beach anymore mm, mm-hmm. or get in the water. And so I think I think that NASA thing was kind of like being, "Hey, like we don't want this same thing to happen with our sort of the public's perception of extraterrestrials." Jeez. Yeah, you know. Um, wow. So I don't know, man. A lot of it is like steeped in sort of that lore. Which I love that stuff, but it's it's definitely its own circle of uh you know you got to go deep in that like old school guy you know ufology guy Mm -hmm. stuff. There's a documentary called Mirage Men that used to be on, I think it's still on Netflix. Have you seen that? Uh, I don't think so. It's really cool. It 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 goes into like a lot of those old school characters, but it also talks about how like a lot of the like you know, the CIA, the NSA, the FBI, a lot of them were like feeding like misinformation, and they ha- they would hire these like disinformation agents to kind of muddy the waters, you know. So it's like they would they would let out certain things that were real, but then have you know may- maybe maybe ten percent of a briefing or a or a you know a write up would be maybe ten percent of it was real, and like oh we really saw aliens, we really did this. But then the other 90% was just totally fictitious, and it was a way for them to see, like, oh, well, who's going to, like, repeat this? Who's going to – who in this community is going to, like – Latch on to it. Who's going to come after it? Yeah, shout from the rooftops, like, oh, well, this is what I heard from the government kind of thing. Um, But it gets, like – Almost like a um, mole hunt. Yeah, I mean, that's what it is, yeah, basically. But, yeah pretty cool the
2: synchronicity is crazy here so the kids kind of had like their final sleepover for the summer uh, mm-hmm. the other night with some of their cousins and they watched race to Witch mountain like the <gasps> Dude, remake with with the rock oh right right yeah in the intro segment there's a clip well first off they're showing all this cool footage in the beginning of like you know it's like ufo footage from different people's sightings and stuff like there's the, this, like, their sort of montage, like government? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, government stuff. So basically, there's this clip of Reagan, and, uh, you know, it could just be a clever editing thing,
3: mm-hmm. but it
2: literally looks like, from one of his speeches, and it looks like he says, uh, or like the clip that he used, he basically says, and they're not of this world, and something like that. And he's like, and we know that they're not of this world, and then it, like, cuts to something else, and it's like, what?
3: Well, I, I know that he he was kind of famous for a speech talking about, because... Under his administration was, like, uh, they created, like, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of the, like, defense program. And I think I, there, there's some famous speech where I think he's talking about... Um, it, look, here's what I found. Let's just listen to it real quick. Oh, okay. I couldn't help
0: at one point in my discussions with privately with General Secretary Gorbachev. When you stop to think... Of, we're all God's children wherever we may live in the world. I couldn't help but say to him, just think how easy his task and mine might be in these meetings that we held if suddenly there was a threat to this world from some other species from another planet outside in the universe. We'd forget all the local differences that we have between our countries and we would find out once and for all that we really are all human beings here on this earth together. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. And yet I ask you, is not an alien force already among
3: us? among us? the dude was such a boss man he was such a boss God. i i know he got a lot of a lot of blowback for that because i think like you know if you know reagan you i mean i I, tr- I i've always like tried to see the good in reagan i feel like um i know a lot of the 80s like the whole like eat the rich and you know the reagan era was you know there's there's a lot of that sort of like anti-establishment you know like proto punk was coming out at that time and like Reagan was you know sort of the enemy but i've always really liked it Reagan mm-hmm. in that speech that's what i was going to say he, he i think he was trying to come across as very like hey let's let's all join together as like humans like, let's have peace yeah mm-hmm. because you know what if what if there was like some big alien threat you know what would be what would be better for bringing us all together to show that you know humanity as one is a good thing but I think a lot of people took it as like a sort of a globalism type agenda sort mm-hmm. of like oh well, we need to create a one world government which I mean mm-hmm. is kind of what this administration is doing but anyway but dude how amazing is how amazing is that that re- that literally these icons Ronald Reagan and you know America's president and Steven Spielberg like one of the most beloved especially in the 80s you know directors of all time yeah and he and th- this is one of the things that i think is interesting uh i didn't say this is it says that like he basically looks around looks at like the amount of people in the room in in grant cameron's interview mm-hmm. the i guess the original sort of wording of that was he looks around and he said not I would say not not even six people in this room know that everything in that film is completely true, and that's even more interesting because then you know Grant Cameron like files all these like freedom of information stuff. So then he tracked down like, well, who was in the room? And there were like three astronauts and uh, like Margaret Thatcher's, you know, the the like Prime Minister of England. Yeah, yeah, but it was like her like main assistant, which she's kind of known for se- for making a remark about well we could never we could never tell the the public about you know extraterrestrials because it would it would cause like sheer panic and chaos Whew, man so it's it's really interesting to think like oh well who were the, who were those six people because i know people from nasa were in the meeting i know that there were Dude, it, it, it does this thing too like when you really
2: boil it down to that And you Mm -hmm. start thinking about it. And and let's just for a second, listener, come along with me on this journey here. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a super skeptic, which again, is totally cool. Same Mm -hmm. amount of radness. Yeah. But just for imagine, think that, okay, it is something that is not just like possible, right? It's not only possible, but it's also acknowledged by these folks. And there's a conscious effort to keep us kind of like not from freaking out because of how prominent it is. Right. Well, well. And then and- it, wait, wait. If you can accept that, like mentally, for a second, mm-hmm. how like insignificant does some of the dumb shit that we talk that we oh yeah argue about as humans and like, holy cow, dude. Like yeah. w- those other intelligences, whatever they are. Hey, mm-hmm. man, heavenly, mm-hmm. extraterrestrial, inter- inter- interdimensional. There it is. A jinx. You owe me. A Coke. Okay. Clear-fect. You know, like.
3: Oh man, I don't know. My mind kind of feels like it's going to explode. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and actually, I don't. Even, it's funny that it, we're talking about this because you know, as you all know, Woody is like not new to this, but he hasn't been like into I mean, all it this. was since. Yeah, like since I was a kid, kind of thing.
2: And even yeah. then, it was just kind of like, oh man, I
3: like it because it's fun. Yeah, but you know, but what, that what? was um, what I just said about like Margaret Thatcher saying. You know, that has been basically like, especially for like the, I mean, I can't speak for all governments because I think especially like South America and like like uh, Brazil and and Mexico and like, you know, they, they're a lot more transparent with a lot of this stuff. Like mm-hmm. they don't try to cover it up. But if, as far as America goes, man, it is like, you know, it's kind of what we're known for. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you didn't see anything. You... That that was you know that was swamp gas that was I mean mm. they literally had like committees you know that that yeah Men like, in they, Black is a very like American
2: idea even right? though I mean, it's I,
3: not I think there's I think there's two versions of that I think there is a, a sort of paranormal side of the Men in Black oh yeah well keep reading Meadowland or Meadow Project dude yeah yeah we'll get wow. into wow does it go into that like Men oh, in Black
2: dude oh, just wait man, man. like. It, talk about like mind blown yeah dude i'm telling you what they experienced is specifically what i'm talking about that relates to men in black is unlike anything i've ever heard or read yeah. and it's
3: scary as heck dude yeah there, there's some truly like fascinating men in black and we're not talking about will smith. you know will smith we're not talking about that that was based off of a graphic novel which was based off of this true thing that happened um i think Honestly, I think a lot of it really started happening um, around, like, the John Keel Mothman Prophecies era. Mm. But there's a lot of cases that are truly, truly, like, bizarre where these characters would just show up. You know, sometimes they wouldn't have eyebrows or hair. They'd be completely pale or they'd have, like, mm. olive skin. and certain, they would, certain, like, things would be
2: just off. In other words, off. like... It's freezing cold outside, and they just have, like, a thin little cotton suit on.
3: Yeah, like, um,
2: yeah. Or, yeah. like, you know, it's like
3: they're trying really hard to be normal and blend mm-hmm. in. Oh, actually, didn't, I think there's a Skinwalker Men mm-hmm. in Black case with the original family. I don't, I don't know. know. I, don't, I don't know if I've hmm. gotten there yet. Anyway, we're, we're definitely doing, well, actually, it'll probably be, like, a double episode. because Of what, man, Skinwalker? No the men in black stuff, oh. well, skinwalker, too, but dude, um, can't wait. but yeah dude, just i mean that, that, but what basically what I was saying is that idea of like oh well we can't have you know we can't have any sort of disclosure on on anything regarding UFOs because the people just can't handle it because it'll it'll go against you know the like religious establishments, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know there's just, just a lot of this sort of like refusal. Uh, to like disclose this stuff, and you know, there's been like hearings and stuff. Like the just, I mean, like just think of the uproar, though, man. I don't. Th- I, I think maybe at a time, but I think, I think that's why now. I think the government is slowly leaking it out, but I feel like it's being done in a in a shady way. Like I know, like you've come to me and been like, oh man, like I think it's cool. They're finally like admitting it, but it's like they're, okay. First off, they're changing the term UFO and making it UAP. Mm -hmm. And which in a way is like, okay, yeah, we're just going to wipe away all the quote unquote UFO stuff. And we're just focusing on the real stuff that has to do with like the Pentagon and our pilots. And we're calling them UAPs. Um, It just, it feels like you're moving the goalpost a little bit to kind of change, to kind of craft a narrative that isn't really how it's been for, you know, Mm-hmm. Seventy years or something, but that's that's another episode. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, like
2: all of this stuff is a, is just an incredible example. And the reason why we wanted to kind of include all of this into one episode, especially the Camp Rad Strangeness finale, is that really all of those things are what just man just fire us up every single day. I mean, the interest level. Look, we're not experts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we at are all. enthusiasts, you know, mm-hmm. and it's something that like, we're, especially me, <laughs> I'm approaching for, like at an angle of like, look, I don't know what any of this stuff is, mm-hmm. but Same. man, live, once you start like reading about it, cause it is very, int- it's, it's very easy for, I think a lot of folks to kind of get turned off by anything that has to do with Bigfoot, UFOs, especially mm-hmm. when you start talking about, you know, different dimensions and the potential that they're connected there and, and not necessarily one is the other or whatever, but it is interesting that there's high concentrations of oh yeah activity surrounding all that stuff. I don't know what it is. We don't pretend to, but we love to present these ideas, these stories, stories that you listeners have then send our way. We mm-hmm. want the world to kind of hear. And... That's what Camp Brad Strangeness is all about. Oh, yeah. And also just this podcast, man. And, I mean, I think it was an incredible summer. And mm. I'm, dude, I'm so excited. These people don't even... Everyone listening right now, you don't know the list of our upcoming episodes.
3: Yeah. Boy, I'm excited, man. Yeah. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Well, I guess that about does it. If you want to communicate with us, uh, you can do that telepathically or... Uh, shoot us a message over on Instagram. That's where the majority of our, you know, that's that's where we are the majority of the time. Uh, feel free to shoot us a shout out in the comment threads or shoot us DMs if um, if you have your own urban legends in your areas or your own encounters or abductions or experiences with anything paranormal at all. If it's more of a long form thing or you'd like to send a voice message for us to uh, use and throw in some cool sound design with and we would love that you can do that at that would be rad at gmail.com we try to say it every time us, but this is especially for our new listeners get out there and tell a single friend about the show mm-hmm. especially if you have a friend which we all have a friend who is into like you know that's into stuff that's maybe a little weird or or left Stinky of center. or yeah. nostalgia. I mean, you know, a lot yeah. of different stuff. Yeah, I mean, we are, Woody and I are those friends to other people, so we know you got them. Just, mm-hmm. just tell people about us. And also, go give us five-star reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcast. Go buy us a coffee or buy a t-shirt, which uh, we still have our Camp Rad Strangeness 2022 shirts up. Mm-hmm. For the moment, those will not, be up forever. So if you would like one, um, you should probably get on that. I'm gonna go ahead and break in right here and say this. hmm
2: As you listen to this, this will be Monday, August eighth. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this. God willing. Today is your last day to get any of the Camp Rad Strangeness, said it weird. Camp Rad Strange <laughs> <laughs> Camp Rad Strangeness merchandise. Yeah. Tomorrow it will be gone. So today, yeah. August eighth 2022 as you're listening to this mm-hmm. head on over to the merch store because if you want something from the camp rad strangeness
3: store today's the
2: only day that you'll be able to get it
3: yes we also have some big news coming up that we're really excited about but can't say that's yet it. that's all i'll say yeah well i guess that's about it you got anything else Woody? that's it man. awesome we love you we appreciate you and as always be rad. That's the way it goes.
2: Did you know Woodrow? Every now and then will just be like, "Hey, Dad, I'm not I'm <laughs> wrong. The swimmer, dude," and it kills me every time. Oh, Wait, man, are you kills- serious? Oh, I'm dead serious, dude.
3: Oh God, that's funny. Yeah, man, he's hilarious, dude. Like that clip has just boy, it has really endured because it's not yeah. like dude, it's not it's it's like a clip so that, obscure. It's yeah, number one, it's so obscure, but it's not like a clip that like I'll. You know, see, or you'll make a reference to, and I'll just sort of like chuckle. Like, <laughs> if you take me every time dude. to full on laughing every yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it's um, so good.
2: What was I saying before that? Oh, to get Johnny's like, because he's got like, as you know, the figure, not just the collection is impressive because it is, mm-hmm. but also just like the way it's displayed and like you know whatever. And I remember whenever we were over at his house. i asked him like man you know like what are your thoughts about like unboxing Mm -hmm. figures and stuff and he like he essentially told me his answer but i've kind of forgotten it and i the reason i bring all that up
3: is because of that freaking killer crow figure that i scored oh wizards yeah it looks awesome oh man and by the way it was not the one that i was thinking of remember how you were like man there's this cool crow figure and I was like, "Is it the cheesy one with the guitar?" Well, I mean, this an- one does come with a guitar. No, know I, I saw that. I saw that. But there was another one that I remember like years ago. It's like acoustic. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's like Brandon Lee before he's the Crow, and he's got like a slick back <laughs> ponytail. No, I mean, it was just, like the face of the figure looked nothing like Brandon Lee. Dude, I love uh, it when that happens. Though. Yeah, like, have you ever
2: it noticed was, like the He-Man characters? Kind of all look like uh, James Brown. <laughs> like oh in the gosh. face. I'm <laughs> <laughs> I am being—I mean, I do now. Do you know what I'm talking about, dude? I can't not see that.
3: <laughs> 100%. Especially uh, he meant like hair, even the way it sort of like, mm-hmm. like bobbed out. You, dude, that's what they use. They're like, I don't know, man, use that. And it's like <laughs> a mold that somebody
2: had. They're like, oh, man, check out this kick-ass James Brown figure I've been working on.
3: Hey, I really do want to do a... James like Brown figure <laughs> episode? An obscure... <laughs> hold on, Woody. Baby. Honey. I gotta go. What do you do with that? What? What
1: do you do with
3: that? Did you just burp? That's called a microphone. It's where I'm recording this podcast that I've talked to you about 15 times today. Sweetheart, I gotta work. Anyway... <laughs>
2: Um, that was a real,
3: it's all good. Look, I, we we got to get rolling. <clears throat> uh, no, no, no. Real quick. I, I do want to, I'm dying to do like an episode and, and toys are definitely like in my blind spot as far as like, like, you know, obscure, like collectible knowledge and stuff. But like, we got to have Johnny on and, uh, you know, to just talk like, i like, th- I know I've mentioned it before, but basically, Something along the lines of like a full episode, kind of of how I discovered that like every single castle skull was painted by hand, mm, mm-hmm. and how they're all like t- they just all look totally different, which is amazing. Yeah, no, dude, that's amazing. <clears throat> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <I guess laughs> you I get situated. You you made this like burp. Yeah, the Danny DeVito <laughs> <laughs> always Sunny Bird. <Burt. laughs> oh I love that, dude. Uh so gross.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's um it's interesting, man. It's interesting how all that stuff works. And I mean, to kind of bring it back to Leominster, Massachusetts and stuff, it's like <laughs> <laughs> what is it,
3: dude? <laughs> oh Jesus we <laughs> get. You're dying to get back to Leo Minster. <laughs> <You just> te- <laughs> First of all, tell us, tell us who Leo Minster is. <laughs> God. Uh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. <laughs> What's going to be funny is if I look this up and it's clearly like a diff- totally different name.
2: It's not two words. You understand that, right?
3: Okay, Leo Minster. It's one word. It's a city in Worcester County hmm i just i just think i just i just think it's funny that like like if we keep everything exactly as it is it's like like we veer out a little and then it's like back to (laughs) leo minster no yeah yeah yeah, that reminds me let's get back into leo minster (laughs) (laughs) oh god (laughs) Oh, that's that is funny, oh, man. Okay, so pretend that we're we just got done talking about that. <laughs> that fucking SR seventy one.
2: Uh I mean that's such a cool time, dude. Like the late eighties. When I think of UFOs, I, <laughs> I tried so hard. You did when I. God, hold on, I got this. When I think of UFOs and. <laughs> oh, melatonin
3: Oh, going <clears throat> so good
2: on. I got this wait, 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 wait. Okay
3: um, <laughs> 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 That was the best one yet Oh, God Oh, that waveform really peaked
2: mm-hmm. Um, Man, this is going to oh, be cool, man Another episode this is going to take like
3: 25 hours to edit <sighs> Literally okay i don't know we're already at a minute we're already at a minute well almost a minute um you mean an hour i mean an hour god
2: bless i'm You're just on saying, top of it today folks <laughs> doesn't so, even know how to measure time
3: i tried this new melatonin last night oh for f- sake. it is i gotta admit i'm pretty tired <sighs> oh god which sucks because yesterday i woke up at you would be really proud of me. I, I know, woke up I, yesterday. You texted
2: me at like 7 o'clock in the morning. I was like, oh my gosh, she's... I Dude, I have been awake like an hour and a half, but...
3: I woke up at 5.30 yesterday feeling like a gold medalist. I felt Man. so good. And then too. today, I'm just, I'm paying for it. Yeah. With Matt w- LeBlanc. I would love to get... How much will you pay me if I keep on calling him Matt? <laughs> we get him on, you just, you call him Matt I was like, Matt, I can't thank you enough. I mean, that sounds like something that we would have done back in the band mm-hmm. days.
2: Mm-hmm. Mr. Worldwide. Mr.
3: Please, God, don't do that to Bryce. <laughs> I'm begging you dude. Oh, it's definitely coming. With, yeah, oh, yeah. I kind of like the interrupting you at the very end. <laughs> I know you do. You <laughs> jerk.